look at your data and you're like, hmm, something seems amiss. <laughs> Clearly, there is something that's breaking. But how do you think of this at scale? Right? How do you think of, so we have gone from 100,000 transactions to a million transactions uh, that we'll end up doing in October. Uh, in, let's say, four months, five months. Uh, right? Uh, we've basically broken everything. So welcome to Outliers. This is a podcast with Outliers. And uh, you know, this is an outlier uh, who I thought is an outlier uh, like a couple of years ago. Then, uh, then of course, we, we, we wrote about them. And uh, then I chose to uh, stay as a buyer, you know, uh, an onlooker. <laughs> and I've been, I've been wanting to do this conversation, but uh, I, I, I chose to become a bystander because a lot of uh, a lot of action going around and I'm so I'm sitting down with Kabir of Dunzo. Welcome Kabir to the podcast. Well, thank you so much. Uh, this is kind words if anything. Because, <laughs> uh, no I remember I think faculty for the first time I'd written something very interesting about this. Shabanti had written yeah. and she had gotten into the nuts and bolts of the whole thing. That, that story carried. Yeah it did. Yeah, quite a bit. Like it's been referred to in government documents and all. <laughs> so yeah so, so which is why we took a break since then. Um, so, so, so I, I think it's important, like I was, you know, we were discussing before starting this, is uh, to capture uh, the journeys uh, across different milestones, you know, uh, life cycle of, of a startup. So, let us, why, why don't we start with this? Why, why don't you tell me where you come from and how did you end up being an entrepreneur? You know, I hope it's not by accident. <laughs> I think everything in life is with accident and serendipity. Um, so, uh, short story, I grew up in maybe one of the smallest places in this country, it's called Silvasa. It's uh, a union territory of Dadra and Nagar Haveli. Uh, very few people in Bangalore know about union territories and, <laughs> and I think you mark it in the seventh standard on the map and then forget about it, saying, yeah, done. Uh, but no, I grew up there. Um, it's got like 25, 30,000 people when I was growing up, uh, like as a town. Uh, our claim to fame is that we are next to Daman. Uh, <laughs> um, no, I uh, so dad and mom uh, I think met over there and they built a family and, uh, and like the dad built his own business out over there. Uh, dad's Bengali, mom's Gujarati, so I know both languages. Um, and um, so did my entire schooling there. Went to Bombay University to actually uh, do an engineering. Um, <clears throat> did one in computer science. Um, when I was getting out of college, had some tech jobs, didn't want to do them. Uh, along with that, dad unfortunately fell ill. Uh, I'm an only kid. So I had to move back to Silvasa and I started working at a plastic manufacturing industry while taking care of him. Uh, plastic manufacturing had nothing to do with computer science. It had just life skills. Uh, to deal with Reliance and Alok at the age of 21 years old was fairly humbling. Uh, and it taught you how real businesses functioned. Um, did that, dad unfortunately passed away after a year and a half. Um, so, uh, so then went back to do an MBA at Narsimhanji. Uh, interesting. Uh, I think MBAs are a great place to well uh, learn again life skills. I think <laughs> I learned how to write a macro and how to day trade. Those are the two things that I learned very intensely. Uh, on day, finally got uh, got placed with Airtel, and so uh, went to uh, at a couple of finance jobs also. But then went to Airtel finally. Um, Airtel was a fun place. Uh, 
for a 15,000 people company which was 10 billion dollar balance sheet was maybe the most amazing amount of DNA that I've ever seen in my life. Um, they had the they had the DNA of a small startup and just generally wanting to push and challenge limits all the time. Um, one place did sales in a few states, um, then moved back to central uh, what you call Gurgaon to actually start doing product. Uh, ran product for rural new products uh, for rural users because I had done rural sales before that. Um, <clears throat> did it for a bit and figured that <clears throat> it was interesting but not something that I would get up every day in the morning thinking money prices and weather for rural users. Uh, <clears throat> pivoted the portfolio around to say, okay, you know, I want, some, I want to do something else. And so they allowed me to build like a whole portfolio on social networking and user generated content. Uh, oh, that's nice. <clears throat> and so this is everything that the internet ended up doing, but uh, but telecom operators thought they could do. You can copy, <clears throat> you can edit it out. Cool, now <laughs> this is better. Uh, right, so uh, not used to talking as much. <laughs> so, uh, so build that portfolio out around location based services, uh, social networking and user generated content uh, was interesting to learn at scale. Um, at all scale is amazing. Um, till a point that internally they have this thing that don't do a product if it's not going to be 10 million a month. It's not worth our time. Um, right, and you're just listening to this and you're like, okay, we'll figure something. Um, it was interesting. I think it taught a lot about what an infrastructure business meant, um, how you roll out an infrastructure business, what does access mean, um, what are the capabilities that you can actually end up building once you have a huge platform. Um, because Airtel, for the lack of a better word, is actually a distribution channel, if anything else. Uh, it's a distribution channel in the real world where it sells talk time and can actually sell a lot of other things. On the digital world, it owns access and is again a distribution channel which, if done interestingly, can do a lot of things. And the only great thing that's come out of the out of that is Wink, I think, interestingly. Uh, but it's what it is. Uh, after three and a half, four years over there, I just quit. I said, don't want to do this anymore. Uh, <laughs> we'll do something else. Uh, didn't do anything for like about six or months, traveled. Uh, and at that point of time, me and my super boss from Airtel actually started up. Uh, he was actually working on something around location-based cooking, and so he and me started this company called Hopper. Uh, that was the first thing that I ever did after outside of Airtel. Uh, this was straightforward. You walk down a busy street in a in a country like say Brigade Road in Bangalore, and think Dunkin' Donuts can actually send you an SMS saying if you walk in the next 30 minutes time, we'll give you a 10% discount. Uh, interesting context uh, because uh, we actually ended up launching with all telecom operators. Uh, so it was an attempt at being able to build a B2C brand on top of telecom operators and their assets. Uh, but unfortunately the cooking funnel is very weak. It's not really, uh, it's not a very retention led funnel. Uh, it tends to really get the worst set of users on the platform. Uh, we pivoted the company around to become a lot more B2B, uh, well POS uh, linked retention platform for our local merchants which meant we would integrate directly into the POS of a local merchant and say okay, we won't bring you new users but your existing users will increase their frequency right uh, so they come to you twice a month we'll try and what you call build like a storefront we'll provide them relevant coupons we will create communication layers for them collect feedback from them and try and make sure that their visits go from two to three times a month um, and so we were able to get uh, get enough traction in uh, in NCR. Uh, before that, with the opening product, we actually rolled out to 14 cities. So as a 26-year-old, to try and actually roll back those many cities, had to let go of a lot of people, etc. Very humbling experience. Uh, uh, 
that three and a half four years of of a, of a whole company was uh, finally uh, so we were funded by Bharti and SoftBank. Uh, we were basically this was the point where SoftBank used to write small checks in this country. <laughs> I remember. Surprising. Uh, <laughs> this is very early. This is 2011, mm -hmm. uh, and uh, and so hike bought us out. Uh, Largely a soft landing. Um, we didn't make any, uh, nothing as an exit for anybody, but the 40 people who were working at the company actually then continued with Hike. Uh, I think my biggest learning out of that, uh, that entire experience was that uh, I think the biggest asset that you put into a company is actually your own time. Uh, and you better set it up for being a moonshot. Uh, it, the retrospectiveness on it happens later on, I think, unfortunately. You don't realize that it's a lot of hard work that goes in while you're doing it, uh, and uh, and so it literally took me like a year and a half to recover from that, uh, because uh, I was like, my God, I spent the best years of my life and it didn't result in anything. Uh, it didn't go anywhere, uh, and enough and more mistakes. And I, I have another very funny anecdote about it. I'm like, you should never give first-time entrepreneurs too much money. Uh, they have no clue what to do with it. <laughs> It's uh, it was unfortunate. I, mean, I think I can now laugh about it. Earlier, uh, to just be like, it's like a jolt, you know, because in your entire career you've never seen setbacks, right? Uh, you did really well at college. You did really well at the college. After that, you get placed literally in the first one hour of college. Uh, large corporates have this great way of making you fall gracefully. You never lose this, right? There are correction mechanisms that exist, and so you only know how to win from one strength to another. Uh, and and those three three and a half years maybe were maybe the most humbling thing that has ever happened. Uh, I was actually chatting about it with somebody in the morning today itself, and uh, they, and so he's like a college mate of mine, and he's like I'm guessing the whole LinkedIn thing must be really helping with uh, with being able to what you call uh, yeah acquire great talent, right? And I'm like yes it does, but at the end of this you know, and so I was telling him that we are really growing very quickly, and so we have done like a ten x in the last four months, wow. um, right? Um, and he's like, yeah, your numbers sound astounding. And I'm like, you know, the unfortunate part about all of this is that you will only know in retrospect whether you are right or wrong. There is just, it's just in the moment, it's just really hard to know. Uh, right? And, uh, and I think a little bit of the reflection bit comes because of the first uh, first experience at Hopper. Uh, didn't do anything for a year and a half. I chilled. I couldn't. I, <laughs> I started running. I lost about 10-15 kgs of weight. Uh, and I remember when I was leaving Hopper, uh, and so I used to be in Gurgaon at that point of time. Uh, and I don't know if you have stayed in Gurgaon. Uh, Gurgaon is a tough place. Uh, you live in these really large complexes. Uh, and, uh, and so the top 10% of your life's requirements are handled within the complex itself. But the rest of the 90% is the toughest thing that you have to ever do. Like I remember I used to have to make a list on Wednesdays and Thursdays. And then my first half of Saturday is going and finishing that list. And then whatever is pending has to be get done on Sunday. And it's the same things. I'm going to an Arjun Mark, I'm going to Galeria, I'm going to South Point Mall. And if something is pending, I'm going to Saket. Ambience Mall is just, I don't want to go to it. Uh, and it just seemed like, why am I doing all of this? And, uh, and I remember literally my one line pitch regarding what I wanted to do was, imagine there's this to-do list that completes itself. Right, everybody's got a to-do list, uh, right, uh, imagine you make a to-do, you put all the details in and magically in the real world it actually gets done. Um, that was the one line pitch for what uh, what I wanted to do. Uh, kept dabbling with the thought for about a year and a half uh, 
ended up registering the name Dunzo at that point of time <laughs> uh, because always wanted a name that could become a verb. Uh, and so that was the criteria for literally selecting a name, saying, okay, can it become a verb? Because that's what you want out of a business uh, and a product. Uh, so I'll be honest, even after registering the company, it didn't do anything for another nine months. I was like, there's too much to process still from one whole uh, business. Uh, and then after about 15, 18 months of not doing anything, I basically told three friends in Bangalore uh, that, you know, make an idea, right? Uh, I will get your task done. Uh, and so they looked at me skeptically and I said, don't worry, I will run them. You don't have to worry. Just text them to me on WhatsApp. I don't have money to build a product and all, but we'll start running them on WhatsApp uh, and I'll see what happens, uh, right? Um, and those three people were a little weird in texting me first. Um, so I was like, okay, chill, I'll get you another phone number. So I got another number and said, get to me text. Karo. And we set up like a WhatsApp group, which would say like, Dunzo Pankaj's task. Right, and uh, the idea was that you text into it that somebody's around 24 7 to read up to them. And so, I got like a couple of people on like uh, what you call part time basis to say, okay, if I am not around, just keep aware of these WhatsApp groups. Had nothing to do initially, uh, then people started what you call sending stuff in. And so, I've had days where I've just kept running around the whole city of Bangalore trying to get people's stuff done. Uh, and no real reason to do it, but just because I could, I used to think, hey, problem hai, let me check if there's problem hai ya nahi hai. Uh, Large bits of entertainment. Uh, I, in fact, the whole bit on Dunzo sounds like a lot of serendipity. Uh, I never started off as wanting to be a business. Uh, I, I don't think when I actually started doing the first set of tasks, it was for to say, okay, you know, it's like business. Hai. But uh, you hold your thoughts. Very interesting. <clears throat> At what time, the people talk about this entrepreneurial optimism, which is almost like a doggedness, right? The world will be telling you, boss, why are you doing this, don't do this, but, but there's something, you know, you know, like you, you running around and trying. At what point in time uh, did you think that, okay, this is not just a dogged optimism? <laughs> or, or, what, what, what is that moment? I mean, I'm trying to read, you know, your mind. I have a, I have a story about that, uh, <laughs> right? Uh, so. Uh, long story short on WhatsApp, what ended up happening was that we grew exponentially. We grew to like 8,000 people on WhatsApp. 8,000 WhatsApp groups. I have all of those on my phone even now. I'm a part of them. Uh, and people, and so there was times and days where I have started my day at 4 in the morning and ended it at 2 in the night. And I'm just running around the whole city while chatting with people and trying to figure out what they want and scheduling it, managing people on the ground. Uh, gotten what you call, had written out a few NGOs saying this is part-time work in case you want to join. And so like about 10 part-time people had joined. Uh, and so managing all of that, just all of it on WhatsApp, no product built out. Uh, Karthik actually from Bloom has a much more interesting story about <laughs> Dunzo than I do. <laughs> he apparently came to the, what you call Bangalore and somebody told him about Dunzo. Then he was staying with somebody, he told them about Dunzo, saying, have you heard of them? And they're like, I think so. And then they started using it. This was his cousin. Uh, and when he came the next time around, she had great things to say about it. Uh, and so then I think uh, he and me, re he reached out and so he and me connected and uh, I remember meeting him at uh, Lavelle Road Cafe Coffee Day. Uh, I was like, that's usually where I am. And he's like, okay, come, we'll catch there. Uh, I remember telling him four things and those are four things that are actually even true about Dunza even now. Uh, the first thing was, if you had a product like this in your life, uh, the frequency on it was intense. People would not wear their shoes to do anything, right? Because why do I want to do anything on my own if I have the option to actually outsource it? Uh, so the frequency on it was intense. 
early users would end up using it like three times a week, um, right? Which is usually very high for any transaction product. Second, the retention it was great. Uh, once you started using it, you would just stick around. Um, there was no reason for monthly active users to know. So like monthly active users at that time on month six, month seven used to be like 65, 70% retention, um, right? And so people are just coming back every month and transacting with you. Um, the third thing that was happening was it was clear that people were using it to save time. And I have the immediate number of anecdotes that I have about it is not funny. Uh, I remember once on a Saturday morning, I'm delivering something to a user. Uh, her name's Ria. Um, and it was Saturday morning, like 11 or 9 o'clock or something like that. And after I ring the doorbell, I'm waiting for her to come to the door. Uh, there's some noise, but then she comes finally to the door after a minute and a half and she takes the parcel for me and she told me something. She's like, Kabir, I'm so glad that Danzo exists uh, <clears throat> because, and so in the background, I can see her husband playing guitar to the kid. And she's like, you know, if you guys weren't around, then Kiran would have to be doing this on Saturdays and he doesn't get time to spend time with the kid. I'm like, Riya, you have to do something in business. Ka <laughs> <laughs> the time thing you said. Correct. And the time thing was very powerful because people could literally not go ahead and well, express their gratitude and even price this in their own head. Saying, you know, how do you price time? Uh, right? Uh, how, do you, how do you price something that actually saves you that much? Because people have always experienced other products, right? You have experienced cabs, you have experienced the fact that food can get delivered. We have never experienced the fact that your personal time can get saved, um, right? And uh, so that was the third thing. And the fourth thing that I remember now telling him was, uh, this is more I think that I have now been able to articulate it better in the last 18 months, uh, is um, if you had to build local search, uh, local search is now a 20 year old business, right? Uh, and so, uh, if you want to build local search in a world where fulfillment is possible in the real world, right? I can literally transact with any store out there in the city. You would actually not build something that looks like search. You would build something that looks like Dunzo. Because Dunzo does all the three things. It does search, it does transactions, that is, I mean payments, and it does logistics. These are the three legs that you require to complete a local transaction. Right? And so I know there are fancy words like O2O and stuff like that. Uh, from our perspective, it's just to say, okay, you know, literally every local point in the city should get transactable with. Because it's not just the transaction, it's not just the search, you need the logistics also to be able to actually complete a transaction. And so Danzo for the first time actually does the whole hog. Right? And people have taken passes at all of them individually. Somebody does payments, somebody does search, somebody does logistics. Right? And Danzo actually answers the whole problem in one go. I, I, I get it, what you're now right? saying. And that's why the experience, ten, I don't think people are able to articulate this to themselves. Um, but once it then starts taking over, then at least that's what we end up seeing on our data now. Saying that this is the three legs of a transaction for people and you need to complete all of them. Um, fun conversation with Karthik that time. Uh, he looked at me and it, I remember that Sanjay also was with him. Uh, I think Karthik led the conversation. Uh, and. Uh, Karthik candidly asked me, saying, do you want to make a business out of this? And I was like, you know, <laughs> because there was nobody, I, there was no employee, there was no product. I was the only person who was doing it full time. Uh, and that's it. And I had met him. And so I was like, yeah, man, I've done like six, 7,000 transactions and deliveries by then. Uh, would love to actually do something with it. Uh, so, 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 <clears throat> so from outside, it always appeared to be a long, painful journey, right? I mean, what I mean is... Uh, even I would meet users who would love it, right? And and when I would go around, talk and meet people, so the whole Uber of X kind of thing didn't apply to you. So can you 
take us through that part of the journey in terms of uh, trying to fund or explain this business to people who can potentially fund and so the first one was in this is late 2015 right so 2015 was okay uh, right um, 17 is more interesting that's the one that we should talk about yeah. <laughs> let's let's leave fraud <laughs> correct but just on that anecdote on kartik uh, end of the day uh, so we had that conversation and we split uh, end of the day on sms he wrote up saying ke i don't know if you guys are raising but uh, this is the amount of money that we can commit and these are our terms i had don't have a screenshot of that sms i should have kept one <laughs> <laughs> but uh, when we said that he's been very influential in actually making this happen um, right uh, and uh, between him and aspata uh, who were our very early investors and aspata uh, kartik over there right there are two kartiks in my life now um, he also what you call basically they were very big users uh, they're still massive users of tanzo uh center of bangalore so they used to get the availability and all of that and they were like you know we think that you're building something interesting this is very unlike what we do uh and we'd love to be able to do support what you want to build uh and so it was really kind of both of them to actually come together and do this uh we put a product together 16 past we bedded and proved the product etc market fit put a team together by 17 i think we had realized that this product was actually basically horizontal on demand logistics but 17 is also the time where it almost appeared that you are having a near death experience for some reason i don't we, know we of course had a near death experience what's wrong with you of course we did <laughs> what what was that we had a lot of money twice uh yeah, yeah 17 was tough 17's uh, been more humbling than the first company <laughs> <laughs> what was that so basically uh, once you articulate your product as saying ke you know all my frequencies actually coming out of this horror logistics play and we are basically going to only be now an on demand horizontal logistics platform in the local world right our mission is to go ahead and say okay we are going to make cities more convenient and we are going to make sure that every store in the city can be transacted with that's a massive business you are basically it's not the business of hyper convenience it's not the business of time this is the business of buying and shopping and this is the business of local commerce right you can literally be chunks of the local economy in a city right that's what is potentially up for play at this point um, right uh, and uh, nobody wants to give you money uh, because it does require a lot of money and uh, and logistics unfortunately has lost a lot of money in 15 and 16 so i don't blame anybody uh, i can totally understand it uh, it's uh, it's a tough space to build conviction around but did you in this cross uh, the thought cross your mind that okay maybe we should not be doing this anymore this was what users wanted right this is what our users wanted this is why they kept coming back to tanzo this is what was leading to all the frequency this is what led to all the retention now you can't forego your data right but how would you wouldn't wasn't it frustrating trying to explain to yourself okay users want it but how do i fund it still this? frustrating it's not it's not <laughs> over <laughs> <laughs> right uh, so i remember last june which is 17 uh, by that time so we had started raising in january uh, with some money in the bank and with a product that's actually doing all of these things and has gone out and proved uh, our cohorts and our retention numbers and our frequency numbers have been stuff that uh, that people will tell you are maybe by far the most amazing numbers that people have seen globally i've had global investors come and tell me this saying you know your retention cohorts and your frequency cohorts are are stunning um till a point that our unit economics also started to look really really good uh, till, uh like september and october of 2017 we actually turned profitable uh we stopped losing money on logistics 
one function of that was because we ran out of money in june uh, by that time we had gotten 85 people to tell us no globally um saying yeah this is logistics we won't do this uh, and I, it's what it is and i agree with them that this does require capital this does require a lot of conviction um i must uh, i must thank both our set of investors uh, this is june 17 uh, they were both very kind uh, we had run out of cash we didn't have payroll uh and they actually le- uh, gave us 450k i remember uh and i i i was made to have a sit down conversation with and was told that see honestly your business can consume our entire funds uh right it just requires that much amount of capital this is the last bit of capital that we have right uh, we can only allocate this much um and i was like you know i i'm just amazed that after 85 knows also you guys are doing this uh i'm just uh, thankful to them because uh by that time others would have just uh, near that would have converted itself uh, and uh, we again took that money we started building product and kept building product and kept saying you know we need to get our product market fit right and keep building a better product every day and a better user experience uh, while that i think we had multiple acquisition offers also uh, because we are an adjacency to a lot of businesses oh, because, can you imagine uh, it what it does is it starts up, uh, pushing boundaries on a lot of businesses that are trying to do verticals and uh, and the vertical utilization of the fleet doesn't work out um, the only way that the fleet works out in terms of utilization is when you have a horizontal so did you keep saying no to those offers or or why did you stay in um i'll be honest i think we have always believed that we are building a much bigger business and my numbers actually say so our frequency is 50 times higher than most other business businesses frequencies this month onwards i think on an average people will use us about 6 6 and a half times a month wow yeah these are numbers that are unheard of uh, i'm one of them but and uh, <laughs> yes b <laughs> yeah, yeah right uh, and and honestly the top uh, 5% of our audience uses us 20 times a month the top 1% of our audience uses us 120 times a month uh, these are numbers that are globally unheard of right because at the end of the day this basically means that you shouldn't put on your shoes into something just make that uh, what you call transaction happen on dance so, so uh, coming as other thing in entrepreneurship is sorry to no, cut you through is is this whole business of endorsement uh, and even as a journalist i have noticed like when so this sense of endorsement with funding and and who's funding right so so in your case for example uh, it, it, it happened when google came Right. For, for whether we agree with it or not, I mean, what? How? How was that feeling? Uh, like, uh, oh, oh, how? How do you explain that? You know, <laughs> the Google thing was the most left-wing thing that has ever happened in my life. <laughs> It's. Uh, <laughs> I didn't expect this reply. <laughs> no, I'll be honest. Right, you got to accept what it is. Right, and uh, I've told this to my uh, people at Google. Right, I'm like. Uh, and so i think the google conversations been by far maybe one of the smartest conversations that i have had in my life right uh, because they come to everything from a product perspective right uh, and their version of the world is let's just build better product uh, which is amazing because that's not a conversation that you have with venture capitalists as much uh, i understand where they come from clearly different uh, world uh, altogether uh, but uh, but i think it started out with the conversation of them wanting to understand the business a little bit better uh and uh, and they came and spent two weeks with us uh, two days with us uh took them through everything on the business um uh, everybody has google has been the most kindest person that i've met um because i think they for being as big an organization as they are they really understand the challenges of what a small company looks like 
uh, which is amazing because I used to work at a really big company and I don't think I had the same amount of empathy uh, for for really tiny because I used to work with a lot of what you call uh, external vendors, right? Uh, who are building product, etc. And I don't think I had as much empathy about understanding it. Um, Google actually does tend to because I think internally they work as like small teams who are building product. So they are the same way. They might have the what you call payroll all the time, but net and net net they are all having the same set of resource crunches to be able to build something. What, what cha changes in you as a person when you go through these loops of journeys? Uh, has it changed much for you? So. Uh, <laughs> Funny anecdotes on this. Um, so I think uh, the conversation came from left wing. We finally the round ended up happening, uh, and and I think uh, there was just there was just a lot of media noise about yeah. the whole thing. Uh, I I actually didn't understand the import of it when it was happening, uh, and we actually plan didn't plan to do even a uh, new story about it. We we're like it's business as usual. We have been allowed to survive. We should build a better product and uh, and figure out what our version of world domination looks like because that's the only way we exist the deal with consumer businesses unfortunately is that there is no niche player this is either a very big player or it isn't period uh, right and uh, and so that was it and so uh, we had actually closed everything a while back uh, and then suddenly what you call uh, somebody caught news of it and then the whole uh, thing started I think the import of it really hit home when everybody just started texting, I think, uh, right, and I was like, okay, I think the deal is to actually return money back to them at some point, <laughs> right, I think that is the bigger responsibility that happens once you raise money, saying, you know, your investors are people that have to be given money back to also, uh, you have to build real businesses. Um, uh, this, this is end of December, and so the entire of 2018 has been has been about what growth feels like. Uh, I think uh, it took us about three months to really get our bearings around it. Uh, I'll be honest, our burn actually didn't go up at all between January, February, and March. Uh, didn't because uh, I I actually ended up having a conversation once with. Uh, uh, with uh, with Meena who works with us from Google and uh, and so she had like a very candid answer. She's like, "What's up?" <laughs> and I was like, "You know, I'm still recovering from 17." <laughs> but I also finally at the end of that conversation ended up telling her saying, "After this, you will never see me being non-aggressive, and you will never see Tanzo being played at a back foot." Uh, because uh, I think this is why you need capital. We actually figured out what the business model looks like. Right, and we actually got profitable uh, till the point that that time our only cost was then salaries, right? Uh, which is not really what the biggest problem with these businesses is. The biggest problem with these businesses is the growth capital, right? I can now grow ten percent month on month, right, and get to somewhere in five years' time. The function of capital is to allow this team to now have the resources to make that five years happen in two years. That's literally what the capital is for, right? And you need to be able to literally. Well, understand what deployment of capital means and deploy it correctly. Uh, that is the responsibility. How do you of keep your head? Like, how, what I mean to ask is, yeah, when people still don't offer us random money, so it keeps your head in place. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'll be honest. I think uh, what keeps you honest and your head right is uh, you should. So the only thing that we spend our time on every day is to go through customer issues and actually solve them. Just never be happy about the happy transaction. Uh, what's the deal of being a happy transaction? Because you're just support. we are like infrastructure, right? Our business is like infrastructure. It's like electricity. Uh, you don't care about it when it's around. 
you only care about it when it doesn't work right and that's really the way that you have to think about also the only time that we need to care about is to figure out that when we are not around when we made a mistake when there was a defect um right and and so our internal goal is to say that you know we want to be able to run 0% defect rate uh literally every transaction has to go as planned uh and that's literally a part of our 3 year goal at this point saying you know and so the end of this quarter goal is to be 95% uh we will literally take 24 months to be able to drive down the last 5% because uh, that's when we are actually a business when you have 0% defect rate um right and um that's what we focus on and that's what we spend our day doing once you do that then you really because you get hammered by users every day right uh, yeah, like every day at least i am at the end of 20 users complaining to me directly um right uh, at least 10 partners having something happening uh, i am on all social media channels and i read everything that's getting posted about danzo um i have google alerts on for it uh, and so i think when you actually start your day with what exactly happened yesterday you sorted you sorted <laughs> to the fact that you know bahut problem hai dhande mein so so, fi- so the, final uh, question of course this is a conversation i would mean to have uh, keep having every few years right. like but i hope we're around for all of that <laughs> yes yeah, inshallah uh, so one of the things with products like these that are born out of user love you know very passionate community that values it uh and and now you're growing right so what does growth mean when you're trying to scale a product which is product of passion and you know closely knit community how do you ensure that you don't lose out this user love this community feeling because one of the things is uh, like people say businesses kill themselves when they go this way the scale yes. way, right now <clears throat> you could have stayed small niche or whatever mm. it is but so i'm trying to understand how do you retain that original thing uh, even as you scale and with with, with big influential in investors like google and others so um, i think it's a it's a challenge that we try and solve every day um, i think one of the things that we have always been is we have been very honest with our users it's uh, it's the part of the business that uh, that is at least you know personally exciting about saying yeah, how do you build an extremely honest business uh, not only in terms of your metrics etc also what you call to your consumers on every interaction point uh, with your partners on every interaction point and with your merchants on every interaction point right um, we literally and so the community that you talk about is something that at least i try and communicate to very often uh, and one of the things that we have been very honest and earnest to them about is saying that unfortunately the product that you love cannot exist at small scales right we only exist you care about the 7 minute eta right you care about the fact that the transaction gets done in 45 minutes time the only way that the transaction can get done in 45 minutes time is if we have intense liquidity or demand and supply right you can't do it otherwise uh, and and so we are trying to figure our own for what you call uh, well frameworks around it uh, but i think we have one thing that we are actually now trying to really double down on Uh, we are actually trying to split the business up into two parts, which is the quantity business and the quality business, um, right? Uh, and we are trying to test this hypothesis out this quarter. Uh, the quantity business is all the users who come to you, and they are fairly price sensitive. Um, they are actually not as much a part of the early community of users. Uh, these people are extremely important because they are the ones who who might not lead to bottom line, right? But they are the ones who bring the highly liquid demand. 
saying that they have something that's going on all the time. It's also if it's like five million people, it leads to like ten, twelve million transactions. But it's very heavy demand that exists. What that does is it allows you to have a lot of supply on the ground. We might not make any bottom line out of this, right? Uh, we might not be able to. These are transactions that have to just run. Once you have that in place, you take the best set of supply partners from here, and then ensure that the quality users, when they come to you, they have tremendously great experiences, right? Um, and so we are trying to test this out. But the analogy is this: your experience and my experience of Uber Prime is the way it is, is because Uber Share exists. And not the vice versa. You and me say you see seven-minute ETS and ten-minute ETS because there are very highly liquid transactions happening on the on the share product. It's not vice versa. It's not that you and me are creating borderline because of it that exists. That utilization is allowing us to see very high, very low ETS. Oh yeah. Okay. Right. Thank and you. I I be honest, this is like three months of looking at data that I think uh, this anecdote has come about, saying that hmm. We need to change this business because <laughs> you look at your data and you're like, hmm, this something seems amiss. <laughs> Clearly, there is something that's breaking. But how do you think of this at scale, right? How do you think of? So we have gone from a hundred thousand transactions to a million transactions uh, that we'll end up doing in October, uh, in that's in four months, five months, uh, right? Uh, we've basically broken everything. This is monthly. Sorry, this is monthly transactions. Uh, so million transactions in the month of October, and so we have broken everything uh, till a point that it's scary. Uh, we have broken user experience. I know at multiple points, uh, but I think the deal really was to say, you know, are we able to scale? Because you can't fix all your problems and then scale. You'll have to scale and then fix those problems at that scale. Um, and so at every five x of scale, you realize that all your processes are breaking down. And so now we're just reworking all our processes this quarter to make sure that people have a better experience. But it's just that you can't wait for a perfect product because a perfect product doesn't exist. So uh, just to sign off, you know, you, I think one of the things that really stays with me in this conversation is your mention of the word honesty. Uh, because so I, I started tracking Vipro Infosys and then I moved to startup and it started happening. And uh, I also spend a lot of time. Talking to whistleblowers and then many different kind of people, uh, and then I see this missing. So, so but honesty can also be brutal, right? Uh, it it can mean a lot of brutality in that sense. So, how how far can you really go with honesty as an entrepreneur in this age? Uh, I'm very asking a very honest question myself. We actually did an exercise internally for last quarter to define what the values are to understand. Um, what are the seven or eight things that we will always keep uh, keep close to ourselves? Because uh, I think there's one thing that uh, that we believe about businesses. Given the consumer internet businesses that we are a part of, unfortunately, the consumer internet by itself changes every three or four years. And in India, you're not making any businesses happen in three four years time. You need to be around for eight or ten years for your business to actually make anything happen. So then, in that case, everything that you started your business with as a hypothesis is no more existential in some time. You are changing it around constantly for the realities uh, that will exist out there. Then, what actually does survive? Hopefully, the answer is that your DNA is actually surviving, which is allowing you to do this, uh, right? So we took like a pass at what these values are at our end. Um, so I won't go through all the eight of them, but we have two which actually go ahead and uh, address this. One of them is that we are about being radically honest. Uh, we will be honest till the point that it doesn't have to be kind. 
right and so internally and externally we will tell you exactly what happened right uh, so we have an all hands every two weeks um, and we take questions from literally the entire organization uh, and everything has to get answered in the most honest fashion the promise really is that you will never hear about dandur externally that you couldn't have asked internally and gotten the answer beforehand right our numbers are exactly the same we won't go ahead and tell you two numbers um, right our unit burn will be exactly the same we will not go ahead and tell people two different numbers um right um, in fact had somebody joined from a really senior big startup uh, recently and so we have like this dashboard that we have shared out to our investors uh, and it's like an online link that updates uh, that has all our metrics uh, and so this guy looks at it and he says so this is what we have shared with our investors live and i'm like yeah and he's like i have not seen this uh, i have never seen somebody and his point was so with this like brutally honest with them and i was like yeah why wouldn't you be there are no two versions of the truth there's only one to counterbalance that we had put another value and that is that uh, when we are being honest we are never attacking the person we are only attacking the idea right so every quarter if somebody is not working out we'll have a conversation with you but in every day to day conversation please don't feel that you're getting judged right we are only attacking the idea right we are only attacking whether this is the right way to approach the problem we are not attacking you there are no egos in this at the end of the day these businesses unfortunately are zero and one either we'll all win or we'll all lose and the only thing that we would have lost is time very so well said these are the best years of our lives very well said we are doing it to build something really right there are other options this 1% of this country has all the options out there in the world right you are taking that time out to build something build the one because the zero is very painful <laughs> thank you we'll sign off at that note and then stay this way because we really good talking to you thank you thank so much you. Okay, thanks for coming down here